On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about how we can all make a change during this period, and I explain why I think motivation is bullshit. Hey, what's going on? Hope you're well. Welcome to this episode number 19 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. For 52 weeks between the ages of 24 and 25, I'm going to be recording and releasing a weekly podcast to see just how much my life can change in a year. This is the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and it's a completely honest view into my life as I take on some fairly unusual things. And this episode right here is all about week number 19 in that journey. Episode number 19, we're so close to 20. And I'll be honest, it really doesn't feel like 20 weeks since I first sat down to record this podcast. Or at least I I say that it does and it doesn't because sitting down in the meeting room of the office to record episode number one feels like it was only yesterday uh, when you look at it one way. But actually compared to where life is right now, it also feels like an absolute lifetime ago. I was thinking the other night that when I come around to recording episode 52 of this, when I reflect on what will have been the past year, I think it's going to be completely surreal because so much has already happened as you know if you've been listening for a while both good and bad and I'm sure that so much will no doubt continue to happen between now and my 25th birthday and that being able to reflect on what is essentially a journal of an entire year of my life that I will have shared with you in the open as it happened with complete honesty I think that would be surreal uh, and quite emotional, probably. That's just a thought that I had when I when I realised that we're coming up to 20, which is not far off halfway through this now. And so, as always, thank you so much for being here. I hope you're well. I hope you've had a good week and that you have been spending your time well, whatever that means for you. My week this time around has been much the same as last week, so if you listened last week, you'll remember we spoke about my routine and it's essentially been the same this week just focusing on getting good sleep although ironically I am recording this very late Um, so waking up tomorrow at 6am will be a challenge but getting good sleep getting through as much work as possible trying to spend time working on myself and making small improvements to my life where I can with the extra time and extra space that we all have in an attempt to come out of this lockdown period as a better person. Now, if you listened last week, like I just said, you'll remember that I spoke about my new routine, the routine that I am trying to establish into my day to make me more productive and to separate work time from downtime and to get more out of the day in every sense, to gain some level of control in what is, I'm sure you'll agree, a fairly uncontrollable situation. And for the most part, that routine has stuck. 6am wake-ups, remarkably, are fine. I'm doing that quite well. Amazing. Uh, Deep work between 6am and midday, fine. It's all going well, other than two things. 
The first is intermittent fasting. I told you last week that uh, I thought that 18 hours of fasting from, say, 8pm the night before until midday the day of was going to be a challenge, and it turns out I was right. Whilst in the early hours of the day, working in a fasted state did and does make me more productive, as soon as I passed that kind of 15 and a half, 16 hour mark, all I would be able to think about was food. So for, for two hours of trying to be productive, I would actually just be sat there thinking about, you know, looking at my watch, looking at the time on my laptop, thinking, when can I eat? And so I've made a slight change there, uh, which I actually hinted at last week. I've dropped it down to 16 hours of fasting and eight hours of eating. And I think that's the right balance. It's a nice middle ground between the two extremes, one being 18 hours of fasting, the other being just fucking eating whenever I want, sporadically with spikes in blood sugar levels and shit productivity and so on. And it's helping me get more out of the first few hours of the day, which is good. And so the second thing that I've been struggling with uh, from a from a routine point of view is fitness. Now, don't get me wrong, I've been going on a lot of walks. I've been absolutely milking the once per day government permitted exercise by going on a walk every day, which is something I didn't used to do. So that's good. That's a positive. I did something like 14,000 steps today. I did 11,000 steps a couple of days ago. And my average number of steps throughout this period has been good. So I've been moving, don't get me wrong, I haven't just been sat in the house the whole time, but in trying to substitute what I would have been doing in the gym at home, that's what I'm struggling with. I'm just struggling to get it done. And I'll be honest, it's not due to a lack of equipment. I have a barbell and I have some dumbbells and some plates and a couple of resistant bands I've just brought, so I have the stuff that I need in theory. And it's also not due to a lack of knowledge because... You know, I'm in no way, shape or form well-versed in fitness, certainly not an expert or anything like that, but I know what I've been doing in the gym for the last 18 months, and so there's no reason from a knowledge point of view why I can't be just replicating that here at home. And so when I was trying to think about this point, I think that it's the problem is and is at the intersection between lack of motivation and a lack of knowing when to do it. And so... The, the thing I'm focusing on most, the thing I think is most controllable to fix this, and I think in turn the motivation will follow, is the point of when to try and work out each day. So you'll remember last week I said that right now I have between 6 and 7pm blocked out, and it turns out that's just not the right time. Although that's the time I'd typically be going to the gym whilst back in Wales, whilst back in Wales I'd also be getting into the office at 10am, rather than 6am, I would be living an entirely different day structurally to what I am right now. And so 6 to 7pm isn't the right time, I can't be bothered by then. I've done 8 to 10 hours of desk work, I've eaten, I've gone for my walk. The last thing I want to be doing at that time in the evening when I'm slowly beginning to wind down is trying to push out an hour-long home workout session. And so I'm going to work on that one and... Uh, See see what other times work, see what else I can do to actually get at least slightly back on track with fitness. So I'll get back to you on that. And really that's been my week. Um, and I was, I'll be honest, I was a bit stuck on what to talk about today because I had this thought 
and I wasn't sure whether it was too fragmented, too abstract to actually pull together into something that will make sense. But hopefully, as I start talking, you're going to get a sense of where I'm trying to go with this, right? So follow me here. We're all stuck at home. We can't go out. We can't interact with other people. Nightclubs are closed. Bars and restaurants are closed. We're stuck. You get the idea. And because of that, I've noticed two very interesting things have happened. The first is that extrinsic things have evaporated in value and meaning and worth. Your expensive watch or your trainers or your £250 t-shirt or your nice car or your new phone, those things don't mean shit right now. Firstly, most obviously, because nobody's around to see them, and so, just in a very basic way, those nice expensive things that we are all guilty of having bought to show off or to impress other people, or bought in the hope that somebody will notice, they won't get noticed right now, they won't matter. But then also, they don't matter because we've collectively, I think, realised that those things don't change this situation. A Rolex makes you no more immune to coronavirus than a Casio. BMW drivers are just as likely to catch this as cyclists. The benefits derived from material things are at an all-time low right now. And so that's the first interesting thing. That through some kind of hard reset in our reality, all of the things that so many of us have been working for and aspiring towards are now just expensive paperweights sitting collecting dust, doing nothing to change our situation. There's that, and then the second thing is kind of the opposite of that. Those things which are so intrinsic have multiplied in value. The time we spend with our family, our ability to go outdoors for a walk, as I just spoke about. Like, I, I used to never go for a walk, I now really value being able to go outside and just walk. Time sitting with our thoughts and better understanding ourselves. The meaning we derive from our work and what we put into the world and what we contribute to uh, something that I think we've all woken up to recently, which is our wider society. And so I was thinking about this a few hours earlier on a Thursday night as it is right now. And the NHS clap for our carers took place outside of my window, at literally as I was thinking, there's no word of a lie. And suddenly this whole jumbled up thought that I was having all started to make sense. We all attach some level of worth and meaning and identity to our job, to the thing we do for work. Think about it, right? The last time you met somebody at a party or a networking event, or when you last went on a date with somebody, you probably told that person who you had just met what you do for work within the first 60 seconds of conversation. It's how we all introduce ourselves. We say what our name is, and then we're either asked or we openly tell somebody what we do for a job, as if that is our thing, right? We attach meaning to our work. And yet, so many of us are sat at home right now, and many of us can't work at the moment. And so, I think it would be fair to assume that for those who attach their identity to their work, it's probably possible to feel quite lost right now. And what's more, I know as well as you do, that there are lots of people in this world who have, for many years, 
been going to work, been working for extrinsic things. For their next car. For their massive night out with bottle service every month. For other expensive items. Now look, I am making assumptions in what I'm saying, but being detached from our normal reality, plus being attached to the identities we all derive from our work, plus in some people's cases, no longer being able to find value in anything material, is probably an unusual situation to find yourself in. Now I just said hearing the clapping outside of my window made this all make sense. Why? Well here's the thing, those working on the front line of the pandemic right now, the doctors, the nurses, the carers, the healthcare assistants, the porters, the cleaners, the supermarket staff, the teachers, they all have something in common. If I were to make another assumption, I would guess that anybody in a job such as that feels a greater sense of purpose than ever right now, and that their identity, the person they know themselves to be, is reinforced by the work which they're doing and how that ties back to who they are. Now here's where my thought ends. Most of us, as we've realised by now, aren't key workers. The majority of us are stuck at home for at least the next three weeks. Extrinsic things, material items, expensive possessions, they don't mean shit right now. And we're being forced into a more intrinsic and introspective way of life for at least a few weeks. And so, with all that considered, and with all of the time on our hands that we, we suddenly have, here's my thought. If you feel lost in this situation because you, like the rest of us, have realised that there are inevitably some areas of your life which have been turned upside down overnight, and if you think that you might want to turn a corner in life at some point, be that changing job, changing career, finding a new passion, learning something new, all in the pursuit of evolving your identity. I put it to you that now is the perfect time to do just that. To lean into the solitude that we all have. To learn about yourself. To see what you are capable of in this fairly unique situation. And so here's a piece of advice that I heard this week, and it came when I was watching an Instagram live with Chris Williamson. He said it's fairly easy to determine how to make this lockdown a success for you personally. So with obvious things like your health and the health of your friends and family ticked off, you should do this. If you're in the UK, we've just discovered that for at least the next three weeks, we are going to continue in this state of social distancing, in this state of lockdown. And so you have at least three weeks. And so make a short list. List those things that you, by the end of these three weeks, will have want to have achieved for this time to have been worthwhile to you. It could be anything. It could be uh, making more time to spend with your family. It could be developing a meditation habit. It could be exploring a new line of work or learning something new with the incredible learning resources that we all suddenly have access to free of charge uh, from places like Harvard who have put many of their courses online. There will be things that you have always told yourself you want to do, but life has got in the way. So in this moment, when life is fairly silent, listen to yourself. That inner voice, what is it telling you that you want to get done in this period? Write those things down and do those things.
and then hopefully we'll all come out of this shit situation slightly better, slightly happier people. And that's it. That's my thought. I hope that made sense. Basically, what we have sworn by as measurements of success and tools for happiness for so long currently mean very little. And so maybe the antidote to that is already within all of us. Okay, and I am now going to go straight into a question. I'm going to stop contexting these questions because if you are a regular listener, you know that I probably spend a good 6% of each episode contexting the fact that I'm about to answer a question. I'm doing it again. Listen, I'm doing it again. What is this? I'm going to answer a question, okay? And that question this week is from Alex. Alex, thank you for your question. And he asked something which really caught my eye in amongst the questions I saw on Instagram uh, when I put the sticker up asking for questions. Because uh, it, it kind of, it struck a nerve with a, a previous version of myself. And I wanted to share with you a little, it's not even a story, but this will make sense, right? So the question was, who do you look for or watch for motivation? Now, the, the eventual answer I'm going to arrive at is nobody. But I used to watch a lot. I used to watch people like Gary Vee, right? I would watch more Gary Vee than I would do work back a few years ago. Uh, because I would get slightly motivated, do a bit of work, but then I'd need to keep coming back for more. I would I would never, from, from watching a piece of motivational content, I would never have long-term motivation to go away and actually get the work done that videos such as the ones we see on YouTube from personalities like Gary Vee encourage us to do. And so it taught me a lesson about motivation. If you wait to feel motivated, I've learned that you will never get anything done. We may as well call procrastination our natural state. And so if bouts of motivation are the only thing that drag us from that, we're fucked. I found that things like, and it's, it's, it's the boring stuff, it's, the, it's the, the non-exciting stuff that I talk about in so many episodes of this podcast and that off microphone I talk to myself about so consistently because I believe it so much. But I think the motivation is a myth, right? Being motivated to get something done is bullshit. None of the great uh, entrepreneurs, none of the great musicians, none of the great anything, no great person has ever achieved what they have gone on to achieve purely from motivation because motivation doesn't last it's far more about being self-aware about weaknesses of yours and then having systems in place to combat that and to support you routines a structure rules having bets with yourself to to understand where you typically fall down and then putting some sort of incentive in place to make sure that you push through the place where you'd normally fall down even if you do a desk job automation, so apps like Cold Turkey, which is what I use on my laptop to stop me from visiting uh, particular news websites, particular social media websites during the day. So I've literally outsourced the need to be motivated or outsourced um, the control of procrastination to an app, right? There's lots of automations to do this. But I think the most important thing uh, to get shit done, which I guess is the undertone of the question when it comes to how do I become or remain motivated, is that I think the only key to success beyond things like talent 
and, and context and situation. The only real key to success is your ability to be comfortable with boredom. Those who do remarkable things, I believe, are those who are most comfortable with monotony. Embrace the lack of motivation and do whatever you need to do in spite of that. And do it over and over. And you'll get to where you want to go. At least, that's the assumption I'm working to. I'll get back to you in 10 years and let you know if it's paying off. <laughs> okay, and that is it. I, why, I don't know why, I always tell you the time when I finish recording these, as if, as if it makes any sense, because obviously you're listening to this at some uh, unrelated time on a completely different day. However, it's just gone 11pm, which is far beyond my bedtime, which you already know because you listened to last week's episode and you know that I'm trying to go to bed at 10pm. Uh, there's a, there's a long-winded, boring story as to why I'm still awake and why I'm only doing this podcast now. I won't bother telling you it. But thanks for listening nonetheless. Uh, I have a big favour to ask of you, if you're still listening. And that is, can you, if you listen on iTunes, can you please, if you haven't already, because I know many of you have, can you please go into iTunes, the app, either on your phone or on your laptop, and please rate this, uh, this show, this podcast, five stars inside of iTunes. Uh, from what I understand, star ratings are one of the, the measurements that Apple uses to decide the popularity and the chart position of certain podcasts. And I discovered the other day, not though this is why I'm doing this, it's just an, an interesting experiment we're about to play to see if this does anything with the chart position. I discovered the other day that this podcast charted, um, it was like 210th when I looked. But if you look at the history, uh, a couple of weeks ago it was like 140th in a particular chart. So I want to see, with your help and with your five-star rating and with you having just listened to this week's episode, if we can push above number 140 in that chart. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a five-star rating. And of course, please do share it with a friend or friends or group chat or Zoom chat or however we all communicate these days. I will appreciate it very much. Okay. As always, that's all I have. I am off to bed. I hope you have a good week, whatever you're doing. And I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 20 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.